Thank you. Pressure is officially on uh, for that. But uh, like he said, my name is Mike, and it is good for me to be here with you guys. I'm from Maranatha Bible Church, and so I know you guys have had a few of our pastors, maybe Adam, uh, really, or Nate Kersat, come and join you. <clears throat> Sorry, join you guys. But um, today I'm talking about the idea of how to share your faith and actually see results. And so I know when I talk about that or the idea of sharing your faith. Um, There's always two different groups of people. There's always a group, and when I say a group, I mean maybe three or four who are really excited about that idea and want to try and share their faith. And then there's a group that, you know, you've never really done it before, you've never really tried it, and you're not interested in trying to share your faith. And so I want to talk about those two things because uh, my wife is not here with us. She's with her family down south today, but um, it was about a year ago when someone had pulled into our driveway, and when they had pulled in, I got super excited. And uh, I saw them pull in. It was two ladies, and they were super dressed up, and they pulled in. And I walked over to my front door, and I kind of crossed my arms, and I said, hey, babe, they're here. And, and she said, it, you know, they got out, and she had shut the lights off, and she hid under the window and said, do you think they saw me? Because it was two Jehovah's Witnesses who had approached us. And for me, I got super excited because I wanted to share my faith and it's more of my gifting. And for my wife, uh, she would rather not if she had to. It was one pastor who said it this way, even if Jesus himself was with you, tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, I want you to tell them about me, you would respond with, I just can't do it because it causes a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. So I know there are two different groups. For the first half of this message, I'm going to spend some time talking about uh, if you want to share your faith, here are five tools out of the book of Acts that we had read previously, five things that you can do. And then at the end, I'm going to give three things for those of you, if you would say, hey, I've never shared my faith. I would like to not share my faith. And I don't even know if I could, if there was a gun held to my head. I don't know what I would do. So hopefully you will find some freedom in today because in all the commandments in God that they're not supposed to cause a burden or a weight. It says in 1 John 5, 3, that his commandments are not burdensome. And so even when we talk about the idea of sharing our faith, a lot of people feel like it's a burden or a weight. And if you take this idea of a burden, um, you might do it once, you might do it twice because the pastor made you feel really guilty and there's a 5K run coming up and you know, you know this one person and you might do it out of guilt. But if you do it because it's a burden, um, it's not really going to be because of any joy that you have or that you have love for the other person. And one, one of the problems that can take place is when a pastor shares about this or someone who does this, uh, what they'll, they'll share stories that you just can't resonate with. And they'll share stories like this. They'll say, hey, yesterday I was on a plane and I was on my way home on the plane. And as I was on the plane, I just pulled out my Bible like I always do because I'm really spiritual. And then I was reading uh, John 3.16. And as I read, you know, John 3.16, the person to the right of me, uh, Pat, he had said to me, oh my gosh, what, what are you reading? And I said, don't you know John 3.16? And he said, no, please, please share. So I shared and he gave his life to Christ. And, you know, it was just a lot of conversation. And while we were doing that, there was a Muslim behind us who had heard us talking and said, I've never heard of Jesus. Do you mind sharing? And so I shared with her John 3.16 and, you know, she gave her life to Christ. And while we were doing this, the flight attendant walked by and she said, what are you guys talking about? And so I said, 
I'm sharing John 3.16, and I had shared with her, and you know, we all got on our knees and gave our lives to Christ, and as we were doing this, she said, hey, do you mind sharing with the whole plane? And I said, get me the mic, let's do this. So as I was sharing, there was Hell's Angels in the back, they gave their life to Christ, not sure why they're not on their motorcycles, but they're on the plane, but you know, you'll hear stories like this, and you'll just be like, hey, I can't do that, that's not for me. Uh, I actually shared that at a a youth event one time, and one of the students believed the story, went home and told his mom, and the mom called me because I heard the whole plane got saved, and we started a church down in Florida and the whole bit. So what I don't want to do is intimidate you or make you feel like, man, that's just not me. That's just not who I am. That's not what I can do. Um, It's not practical. So I think by the the time I'm done, you're going to say two things, hopefully. You're going to say, man, that's super easy. I, I I can do that. That's so easy. Or you're going to say, man, that was it. I've already been doing that. I've already been doing that. Um, anything in the Bible is obviously what God would want for us to do if, as far as obedience goes or commandments. Um, I, I know from the Bible, God really loves it when you come to church. He loves it. He loves it for you, you know, 5 a.m. people reading your Bible. You guys are crazy. Coffee's out, French press, the whole bit. Got, you know, Hillsong in the back and you're reading your Bible. He loves it when you're in the Bible. He loves it when you use your spiritual gifts, when you serve and you help other people out. But he does not love it more than anything else than when someone's put, someone puts their faith in Christ. And a lot of people say, well, that's just you evangelist guy. You guys are nuts. You extroverts. I don't like you guys. But actually, Jesus said that in Luke fifteen seven. It says this, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And what that means is that God, it really brings joy to his heart when we obey him, but it does not bring any more joy to his heart and in heaven when one person puts their faith in Christ, when they are in the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, that that brings joy to God's heart. And so uh, with the remainder of my time, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 35, as we read previously. Um, And like I said, I'm going to have five things or some tools that maybe you can have. And as I'm talking or sharing, hopefully there is at least one person that comes to your mind that you would know, or uh, an individual that maybe you've had a conversation with in the past and didn't go so well. And maybe today, after today, you would say, hey, um, I feel like I feel more equipped to share than ever before. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says this, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, eunuch, a cohort official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And notice this part here. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. First point I want to pull out of this is share when God tells you and to whom he tells you to share with. In Acts 8, 26 and 27, the spirit of the Lord said to Philip, go in this direction. Now, I, I don't know, you know, everyone's belief systems and how God speaks to you. And I'm not certain God's going to, you know, later today as you're going through McDonald's or Starbucks, like, Michael, now, like, you're probably not going to hear the audible voice. But I think all of us at one time or another have felt an unction or something inside with the Lord saying, hey, now's the time to share. Or maybe someone will say something to you that will really prompt you in thinking, I should probably say something now. There'll be a conversation starter. 
If you pray for an opportunity, God will give you an opportunity. You can just, you can bank on it. How do we know that? Because God wants people in heaven. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that he's not wanting any to perish, but all to reach repentance. And it says in Colossians 4 that we should pray for an open door. And if you have an open door to share, you can bank that it is from God. It is not from the devil. Um, The devil does not prowl around like a roaring lion that you would have your opportunity to share your faith with someone that we should share and when God tells us to share. Now, all of us, uh, if you've ever tried it or prayed for it to share, you have not shared. Uh, You've missed an opportunity, right? You have blown an opportunity with someone, even when God has brought someone to your path, Um, and I was, it was a couple years ago, I was serving in youth, and we had met with our team at Hothead, and we were talking about uh, just the depression rate in the youth, and we had talked about anxiety and how to deal with those things, and as we were having that conversation, a gentleman who was working there approached us, and he came up to us and said, hey, I heard what you're talking about, and I've been struggling with that personally, and I've really been seeking. Now, if there's ever been a softball, that's the softball. I mean, I don't know if you guys softball up here, golf or whatever. It's there. Just hit the ball. So uh, they had said that to us. And I turned around and in my wisdom, you know, remember, I get paid for this stuff. Like I get to share, talk about God. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, man, me too. Have a good day. And I totally blew the opportunity. I totally missed it. All of us has, if you've tried to share, that has happened. You've prayed for an opportunity, you've prayed for an open door, and God brings it to you, yes, and you just blow it. And ironically, later that day, I'm back, and I mean, on my way to a church where I work, and I thought, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? But I was reminded that I just need to pray that God would send someone else because I've missed hundreds of opportunities that I didn't even know. It says in verse 27 at the bottom, it says, um, he arose and went, and he was, or he was going to Jerusalem to worship. One of the points I want to make is this. Everybody is seeking, or everyone is seeking after things to worship or someone to worship. If you've ever accepted Christ as Savior, you remember a time when you were not worshiping God, but you were looking for something or someone to worship. If you assume, if you assume that people are seeking God and to worship, I believe your conversations will go way better if you are asking, what are you trying to find fulfillment in? Because a lot of people, maybe it's a career, maybe it's a family, maybe it's financial. It's things that they're looking for. And also you ask questions about their life. If you're gonna see, or sorry, verse 26, I wanna read this real quick. Verse 26 says this. And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him, do you understand what you are reading? Seek to understand. Um, He shows up and he finds him reading Isaiah the prophet. Now I know maybe in your workplaces or in your situations, you've never approached someone just reading John 3.16, or reading Isaiah the prophet, they got the big scroll out, you know, that would probably be a lot easier for you to share your faith in that situation. But notice what he says. He asked this question, do you understand what you are reading? He asks him about his life. And just, that's a principle for us to apply. 
Seek to understand where they are, what they're going through. Hey, do you understand what you are reading? If you go to share your faith, you want to ask more questions than you give answers. You want to ask more questions about their background or their story or where they're from. Because when he approaches, he approaches him and he just says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And I know, like I said, you're not going to approach someone who is maybe reading the Bible on a, on a bench. Maybe, I don't know, but maybe you approach someone and you're able to ask this question. Hey, how's your life going? Hey, how are, how's your family situation? How's your, how, how's your financial situation right now? And uh, I mean, when you seek to understand where they are and you ask questions about someone's life, you make it all about them and where they are in their stage because everyone's at a different stage. The third thing I want to bring up is make the most of opportunities. Make the most of opportunities, verse 30 and 31. I'm going to reread 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. When you make the most of opportunities, notice Philip ran up and he guided him. He guided him in a, in a, to make a decision for Christ, this eunuch. Um, when you make the most of opportunities, you seize opportunities that are right in front of you. And uh, there's this thing every year, we call it Easter. And Easter's really big and you can invite people to church. And there's always this thing every year called Christmas, right? And you can uh, invite people to church or you can seek to ask them what they believe about something. Um, one of the things that I have found helpful in this in making the most of opportunities is this, strive for common ground. And what I mean by this is, um, there's a friend of mine who's a very hard worker and he doesn't like the Bible. He doesn't like talk about the Bible. He doesn't like any, any conversation with God. But for me to start a conversation with him, I'm able to say this, hey, I know you don't believe any of this stuff, but I want to let you know the Bible talks a lot about uh, being a good dad and you're a really good father. Or the Bible talks a lot about being a hard worker and in the eyes of God, that's honoring and you're a very hard worker. I think that's something that all of us can apply with someone we know because we want to be known for what we are for, not what we're against. And there are going to be things we are against when we share the gospel, but why not find something that we can have common ground on? The second thing is this, when you make the most of opportunities, is to pray for them and tell them. I've never been beat up, never had a gun held to my head, never been tackled for telling someone, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. There's a couple that my wife and I are trying to share with right now, and they just had some family members die in a car accident, and so they're going through a lot of hurt. And as we had walked away, <clears throat> I said to her, I said, Kayla and Dylan, uh, we're praying for you, my wife and I, we pray for you every day. And she said, well, what do you pray? And I said, we pray that you would accept Jesus as your savior. She said, well, why would you pray that? And it just led to an opportunity. We believe that making a decision to follow Christ is the best decision you can ever make. So we pray for them and we tell them. One, this one young man, Keston, uh, him and I were working together and I had put my arm around him. I walked up, I said, hey, Keston. He said, don't touch me. I said, I'm sorry. And I said, I want to let you know, Keston, I'm praying for you. He said, well, what do you pray? I said, I'm praying that you would accept Jesus as your Savior. Well, why would you pray that? When you make the most of opportunities, you try and find ways to where it's not just a one-time thing and then you walk away, but you do, I'll talk about this later, you strive to, pl to play the long game with them. 
There was a young man I was playing pool with, and I'm terrible at pool, and we were playing pool, and the first two games, he just smoked me. He beat me. It was no problem, and the whole time, I'm trying to bring up Christianity and God and the existence of God and all these things, and he finally looked at me and said, hey, Mike, I'm tired of hearing about God in church. If you win this next game, I'll be at church on Sunday, and I'll give my life to Christ, and I crossed my arms. I said, seriously? And I grabbed my phone, I texted my buddy, and I said, hey, pray for me. I'm about to win this pool game, and this guy's about to get saved right now. So uh, I played him. His name was Jeff, and I beat him in the pool game. I mean, it was a miracle, bread from heaven, the whole bit. And I threw my pool stick on the table, and I said, hey, man, you ready to receive Christ or what? And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. But what he did say, he said, if you and this God guy are so close, why don't you tell him to let me know? And I said, are you sure? Because he'll do some crazy stuff. And he said, yeah, tell him, tell him. So I ran into him a month later and I said, hey, Jeff, I've been praying for you. Has God said anything to you yet? And he said, you know what? He hasn't said anything, but I did get in a car accident and I flipped my car three times and I totaled it and I walked away spotless. And I said, did you think that was capital G, God? And he said, I don't know, man. And he was not ready to make a decision for Christ, but I'm actively trying to start that conversation. The other day, this lady said to me, hey, if you got a, uh, if you got the hotline with God, the red phone, pull that thing out because I need you to tell him something. And I said, what is it? She said, we need our passports to go on our vacation. And I said, I don't know if he cares about that, but I'll figure it out. But what I am doing is I'm telling her, hey, I'm praying for you every day. I just want to let you know that. So make the most of opportunities that God has put in front of you. Number four, start with where they are, not with what you know. Let me reread verse 31. Or verse, yes, end of 30, end of 31 again. He asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Start with where they are, not with what you know. When you start with where someone is, you make it about them. And I know for a lot of us, if you go to ask someone a question about God, they might ask you something that what? You just don't know. Say, Mike, I'm not like you pastor guys. I don't really know the Bible that well. I don't know what the big number is, the chapter, or maybe the little number, the verse. They're going to ask me to prove the existence of God. I have no idea what to say. Um, I would practice this one in the mirror. This is very practical. You can do this on your way home. I don't know is a great answer. I don't know. If you seek to meet someone where they are and start with where they are, not with what you know, it is okay to not know. They're going to ask you questions. I'm not worried about maybe winning an argument, but saying, I don't know, is a completely fine answer. And, and number two, show interest in their beliefs. If you get done, I said this previously about questions, but if you get done sharing the gospel with someone and you talked more than you listened, it probably didn't go as well as you think. If you talked more than you listened, if you walk away not knowing what they believe, um, it didn't go that well, I can promise you that. You want to ask questions, and sometimes you ask questions without responding to their statement. Hey, what do you believe about Christianity? Well, I think it's this and this and this and this. Okay, what do you think about Jesus? Well, I think it's this and this and this and this. And just finding out what they believe, showing interest in what they believe and what they do. And number five, reminder, the gospel is the only thing that saves. Let me read 32 to 35. 
Now, the passage of Scripture he was reading was this. Again, this is a rare case. This is someone walking up to you. Someone, please tell me about God in John 3.16. This is very rare. Only twice in my life has someone ever come up to me and said, I need to get saved right now. What do I do? Right? Like only that, that is very rare. That verily ever happens. But this is what takes place. Again, this is a softball. It reads Isaiah 53, 6 and 7. Like sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, Does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? So he's asking Philip, hey, what is, I'm reading this thing in Isaiah. It's talking about this guy. It's talking about the Messiah. Is he talking about himself or someone else? So again, it is just easy as day. He throws it up and this is what Philip does in verse 35. Opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. When you share, you need to focus on what Jesus did, not what someone must do need to focus on what Jesus did, not what they have to do. I don't want to talk through all of their sinful habits. I don't want to sit there and talk through different things or beliefs about Christianity. You know what I want to talk about? 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 5, it says this, and this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. If someone wants to talk about creation and about evolution or six days. They want to talk about Noah and they want to talk about all these different stories. I necessarily don't want to at that point. I want to talk about one thing, the death and resurrection of Jesus. This lady I was talking to recently had all these questions about Genesis and all these questions about Exodus. And I said, hey, we can do that if you would like. We can talk about those things. But in reality, in the next six weeks, if we talk about these and you die, you will go to hell with a lot of Old Testament knowledge about things that will not get you to heaven. You want to t- I want to talk about, I don't really want to talk about what they vote on. I don't want to talk about the issues that they have problems with of Christianity. I want to talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus because as one teacher once told me, Larry Moyer, he said this, if I am to die and face God and he says, Michael, why should I let you into heaven? Why should I let you into my heaven? And if I say anything except because of the death and resurrection of Jesus and my faith in that, and if he says that's not enough, I will have to send myself to hell. I'll have to send myself to hell. When the gospel is not clear, man, people go to hell. When the gospel is not clear, there is misunderstandings about Christianity. We'll get to the Old Testament. We'll get to certain beliefs. But my concern is the death and resurrection of Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, uh, if you want to pull that one up for me, it's a little bit further down. It says this, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, who is the glory, who is the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Anytime you've tried to share your faith, or if you have, what do people want to talk about? Man, them dang Christians. That's why I'm not a Christian. Man, them people are nuts. And would you, how, do, how should we respond? Yes, we're worse than you think. Just come and get to know us. Come to church. Would you like 1045? I'll see you there. And, and they'll respond with things that have nothing to do with Christianity. This question I ask often is this. What is preventing you from accepting Christ as your Savior right now? What's stopping you? 
When I ask that question, I mean, if you're a bold person or if you're an extrovert and you kind of like conversation, just approach someone random at the gas station. Hey, what prevents you from being a Christian? You will get answers that have nothing to do with Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead. Well, I'm just not a, I'm not a Sunday morning person. I like my Sundays. Or man, maybe I, you know, I knew a Christian one time, or man, I can't get over evolution. I can't get over this one thing. Very rarely will someone say, I have an issue with the resurrection of Christ. Very rarely will someone say, I just don't believe Jesus was God. And when you ask that question, I, I like to say, really, I'm glad that's your reason because that has nothing to do with being a Christian. Well, what is it? It's accepting Jesus as your savior. I can't tell you how many people because this question has been asked, have given their lives to Christ. And when I ask them this question, or if you ask this question, sometimes it's like, well, if I ask them, what, what am I going to say next? What if they say yes? Then what? There's a young man two weeks ago named Justin. He's 19 years old. I asked him this question. What's preventing you from accepting Christ as your Savior right now? And he said, there's nothing. And I pulled out Romans 10, 9, I said, would you like to read that on my phone? And it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he, I, I said, that's all my Bible says that you need to do. And he says, well, should I pray to receive Christ or whatever? I said, why don't you pray? It wasn't pretty, wasn't perfect, but it was exactly what God had wanted. And he accepted Christ as his Savior. I want to end with three things for those of you, really four things for those of you who would say, hey, Mike, that's great. You extrovert people going to share the gospel, Bible verses. I don't know anything. I'm not going to share it or it's really hard. I don't know what to do. Here's some tools for you if you have not shared or probably will never share because I know that's a reality. The first thing is this. Come and see is the best place to start. Come and see. Um, An invitation I believe invitations change, they change lives. I believe there is someone you know who needs an invitation. It might not be to church, but it might be to church. It might be just for a conversation with someone that you know. But Jesus and his ministry, the disciples, they would go and they would come and see and they would come and see. And so I believe that is the best place to start. Secondly, prayer is where the battle is actually won. Um, it, the, the argumentation or maybe having good conversation really doesn't win anybody. It is a heart transformation. It says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that we don't, even if I win an argument, I don't care about that. Rather, it is a spiritual issue. And so prayer, if you would say, hey, I'm, it's just not me, but I'm going to commit to praying for someone that I know that needs to be shared with. That, that maybe you would say, hey, that's not for me, but I'm going to pray once a week or once a day for this lost person that I know. And number three, playing the long, don't feel guilty for playing the long game. Uh, Jesus does that. He's a friend of sinners. He's around people. His conversations took longer than a day sometimes. It would be a season of life. And through the Bible, we see stories of that. Very rarely, sometimes people feel guilty about not sharing because they think they have to share and do it right now, today, now's the time. But sometimes you have to say, hey, I'm going to play the long game. I'm going to take my time because of where someone is. And lastly, I don't have this on a slide, but I do want to mention this. It says in Matthew 7, don't cast or don't throw what is holy to those who don't really accept it or what is holy to dogs or things like that. And what Jesus taught is this, don't waste your time 
on people that will not receive a message after a certain amount of time. And one of the things that I feel like always needs to be said or to free you up or to free myself up is um, you probably should not share with family or you, don't all, you shouldn't always share. Um, how many of you have either been in an experience or heard of an experience where someone shared with either a brother or sister or parent or sibling or son or daughter, and that person became more resentful towards Christianity because now you follow Christianity and you follow Christ? They'll bring up the one time, you know, you lost your testimony at Christmas They remember you before Christ and they'll bring up something that you used to be and if the church knew who you were, they wouldn't like you anyway. And they they have so much history with you that it just ends up ruining the opportunity. So I have always said when it comes to family or someone where the relationship could be broken, it's best if you would pray that God would send someone to share with them. God, would you please bring someone in their path that they would listen to because they don't listen to me on this topic. I've tried and it's went bad. God, would you open a door for someone else to share? I want to end with Romans 10, 14. It says this, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And not everyone's a preacher, which you're not called to be. Not everyone's a teacher. You're not called to be. You're called to be exactly who God has created you to be with the giftings you have. And I believe everybody, everybody is called to make disciples. We all just play a different part. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for um, this morning. We thank you for Acts chapter 8 and Philip and the story uh, that he gives us and that we get to see um, with the simplicity of sharing our faith. And so, uh, God, would you give us boldness? As Paul prayed, would you uh, help us to be effective in sharing our faith in Philemon 1.6, God? And would you guys be able to see opportunities? And God, would you give us, give us much success in seeing people come to faith in Jesus? We pray this in your name. Amen.